Welcome to another episode of Ordinary Old Catholic Me. I return, finally, to the second part of my thoughts on the play Brand by Henrik Ibsen and his iteration of free will, or the following of, or the lack of following thereof, of God's will. This was two episodes back with Christmas and New Year's in between, so I should probably summarize the play story again. Brand is a Lutheran minister called in the play, and I guess because in some Lutheran denominations they call them priests, who has an uncompromising view of the nature of the will of God. He is strictly all or nothing. He demands perfection in the following of faith. A couple of quotes might remind me and you of his attitude towards his faith and how others ought to follow the faith that he has denominated as the proper path. Brand has met the joyful Anar, who views Brand as a Bible thumper, and that Brand denies pleasure as being appropriate to any human being. But Brand says that's not exactly the case. He says, You don't understand me. It isn't love of pleasure that is destroying us. It would be better if it were. Enjoy life if you will, but be consistent. Do it all the time. Not one thing one day and another the next. Be holy what you are, not half and half. Everyone now is a little of everything. A little solemn on Sundays, a little respectful towards tradition, makes love to his wife after Saturday, supper because his father did the same, a little gay at feasts, a little lavish in giving promises, but niggardly in fulfilling them, a little of everything, a little sin, a little virtue, a little good, a little evil. The one destroys the other, and every man is nothing. I mean, to me, I get the sense that he does deny himself pleasure in his whole and consistent approach to faith, which is so commanding and demanding. Because later, at page 87 of the play, he says, Remember, I am stern in my demands. I require all or nothing. No half measures. There is no forgiveness for failure. It may not be enough to offer your life. Your death may be needed also. One of the problems is that the cost to Brand is not exclusive. His demands cost the life of his child, the life of his wife, and ultimately then his life. And if I read the play right, he's empty when he dies. As I see Brand's point of view, his forgiveness requires a man or woman not only to repent, but never to fall again. My biggest issue with the character of Brand is that he represents the other extreme of the laxity and duality of heart that he finds anathema in his flock. And the discouraging thing or the confusing thing is it sounds great and true that we be consistent and be holy what we are and not equivocating. But when he says, for example, and lives this way at page 95, you must will your way through fear resolutely, joyfully, 
It is not martyrdom to die in agony on a cross, but to will that you shall die upon a cross, to will it in the extremity of pain, to will it when the Spirit cries in torment, that is to find salvation. In that, he gets it wrong, as it seems to me as an ordinary old Catholic, perceiving it. He seems ultimately to forget God in his road, though he would, I think, deny it. If you remember his last words, as the avalanche consumes him, it's answer me, God, in that moment of death. If not by will, how can man be redeemed? And the answer he hears is, he is the God of love. Brand's seeming fatal flaw seems to me that he mistakes God's will for his own, that he substitutes himself, perhaps unknowingly, unwittingly, as the source of salvation, not its beneficiary. And that major flaw distorts even the truth he speaks and seeks to live and exhorts others to follow. I mentioned in that earlier episode I did about this play that Ibsen was influenced by Kierkegaard, but he also seems to have been influenced by someone who was not particularly a fan of religion, Friedrich Nietzsche. In fact, to Nietzsche, God is in effect dead. Belief in God is ultimately unreliable. While Brand believes or professes to believe strongly in God, he acts as if he is kind of a Christian atlas, holding all the rules of life, death and faith, on his shoulders. Man creates himself in a fashion. Will to power, which is something that Nietzsche talked about, is one way of looking at it. We are the agents of will, not of the free will to choose good and eschew evil. I'm no expert, and my reading in any more than the most fragmentary way of any of these types of philosophers means that I have no expertise, but to me, what Brand is about is less free will in choosing good and evil, or good over evil, as defined by God, than in shelving God and creating his version of him with a nod to a germ of the Christian faith. He seems to forget in his pursuits that God already redeemed the world by his loving act on the cross, although he gives passing nod to the fact that it happened. Going back to Kierkegaard, which seems to have been an influence as well, he has the aura of all or nothing as well, but he does, like Brand and unlike Nietzsche, believe in God. Like Brand, words and half-measures mean little. One must be whole in the choice and actively and completely choose the faith, even if it feels absurd. I guess what I felt or thought, I'm going to say felt because I'm not an expert, is that Brand is kind of a mix of Nietzsche and Kierkegaard. He believes in God. He says he does, but he acts as if he is the God, like he is the progenitor, if that makes any sense. He speaks religiously, but ultimately his religion is himself. He creates the morality to be followed. I went looking for some discussions of the play, and among the more interesting to me, because it was written around 1924, so it was written less than a hundred years, Brand was written in 1865, after Brand was an article in a magazine called The Open Court, 
which was once published in Chicago. So among the things they say is something we've already been talking about, that Brand is a tragedy of the man who stands for all or nothing, the man who proposes to be something whole and complete in the midst of a world which loves compromises and halfway measures and lives on what is foreign to it. Brand and his wife go the steep, hard way. Yet it is the way that brings liberation and the blessedness of the vision of God, if also of death. But they also note that his motive is the effectuation of his own inner power, his inner freedom and truth. So he's correct at one end about the world and its compromises, and he is arguably correct about the need to be whole and complete in that world in a kind of resistance to it in order to faithfully follow God. But in truth, it seems that the vision of God can't come from inner power, my inner power or personality, but as a gift offered and accepted by us from God, by each of us individually. Our wills, our own wills, don't get us to God, but our letting go of our wills in an abandonment to God's will gets us there. It's not surprising that Brand, or you or I, might get confused between the two wills, ours and his, because we all fall into various, shall we call them, heresies in pursuing our faiths. So look at our own church. We have the pre and post-Vatican II split, the so-called traditionalists versus the so-called progressives. For myself, as you've no doubt heard me say over one year and eight months of doing this podcast, while I'm crestfallen at what seems to me to be the regular, ambiguous, even opposing articulations by our post-Vatican II leaders regarding what is allegedly unchanged and an unaddressed corruption, financial, sexual, a whole bunch of different things within the church, I have been hesitant toward the traditionalists, though I have sampled the liturgy and agree with the effort to be consistent with the unchanging norms. My experience has been of tone. Their brand-like all-or-nothing approach that comes from a kind of reproach, whether like brand they intended or not, consciously or not, for my and others like me not really being Catholic, in particular because I attend the Novus Ordo, I lecture and I serve, which they consider anathema, and I understand the reasons they feel that way or believe that way. Though I believe fully in the priest, a male, being the altar Christus. It seems incredibly easy, whether you're a progressive or a traditional Catholic, to go off the road as to what is and isn't God's will, but more my own. I remember being startled by Brand's complaint at page 92 about God the Father refusing to take the cup from Jesus the Son. Actually, I'm not even sure if it's a complaint, just a sort of a statement. He says, What the world calls love, I neither know nor want. I know God's love, which is neither weak nor mild. It is hard, even unto the terror of death. Its caress is a scourge. What did God reply in the olive grove when his son lay in agony and cried and prayed, Take this cup from me? 
Did he take the cup of pain from his lips? No, child. He had to drink it to the dregs. I quoted that the last time. And then and now it seems like a terrible misunderstanding of God's love. It misses the fact that Jesus, the Word, who is God, identified totally with our suffering, that God becomes man to join in the suffering that was caused by our improper exercise of our free will. Jesus didn't have to drink, but he, who was the Word of God, chose not his will, as one could argue brand and we all do all the time, but God the Father's will, consonant with his own. And God the Father and Son and Holy Spirit know that we are weak in following God's will, and that the failure requires not perfection, as St. Teresa of Calcutta said, but persistence in achieving with the grace of God sufficient holiness to grant us entry into the beatific vision. In a way, Brand denies our fallen nature, which is lifted by the redemption of Jesus, while at the same time arguing against it. Brand seems to be trying to force things into what he thinks fits God's order, but is really, in my view, born of his own disorder, and that's something we can all identify with. He sees God the Father as necessarily cruel in asking Jesus to accept the cup, when in fact it is love in action. God the Father offers the Son, who is also himself, and accepts our suffering, the cup, in love. Brand's version of suffering, to me anyway, is not transformative. It is brutish and in accord with some of the philosophies Ibsen looked to, ultimately nihilistic ones, empty in their substance, truly rigid in a real sense in form. When I was reading Brand and watching the play, the phrase which kept popping into my head was all and nothing. St. John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila are the most known for this concept in relation to discovering God without barriers. It's hard to comprehend. Here's something you've probably heard over the years from St. John of the Cross. In order to have pleasure in everything, desire to have pleasure in nothing. In order to arrive at possessing everything, desire to possess nothing. In order to arrive at being everything, desire to be nothing. In order to arrive at knowing everything, desire to know nothing. In order to arrive at that wherein thou hast not pleasure, thou must go by a way in which thou hast no pleasure. In order to arrive at that which thou knowest not, thou must go by a way thou knowest not. In order to arrive at that which thou possessest not, thou must go by a way that possesses not. In order to arrive at that which thou art not, thou must go through that which thou art not. And I suppose as you read this or listen to it, you go, what the heck? In pushing comprehension, one misses the point. By desiring to know nothing, one somehow sort of gets to the full of knowledge through God, to whom we have completely abandoned ourselves. No easy task. I'm not pretending otherwise. I haven't done any of this. I'm trying. I'm trying. You can't try. That's the point. 
the statement by John of the Cross is paradoxical, and so much of our lives and everything surrounding our lives is paradoxical. Suffering is a paradox. That's what we're always trying to understand. Why do people suffer? And when we hear the explanation related to our free will and God's willingness to let us have our free will and then to give us a second chance by dying for us and asking us to accept him and act in accord with his will, we say, well, I don't like this paradox. We try to force it. God is near to us. He's also transcendent. That's a paradox. The Trinity itself, the idea of one God in three persons, is paradox. Even in doing something like this podcast, it isn't knowledge that's the problem. It's the desire to take it, consume it, and push it. Going back to Brand, he demands people be willing to give all, including one's life. But it comes from his command, not out of the love of the person who might die. Jesus offered his life out of love, not out of obligation, for he owed nothing to us. We owed him. He showed us, by his action, how to love. That's, I think, what the voice is trying to tell him, just as the avalanche consumes brand, that all action, for those of us who cooperate with God, must come out of a cooperating love. Our act of will has to join his. And of course, that's tricky because we, being frail creatures, can't quite assess his will at any given moment. But in seeking to live the paradoxical words of St. John of the Cross, there is a hint of how to do it. It's a letting go, something which I admit to doing almost never. Did you ever notice that sometimes when you stop fighting a problem, you feel better just for a moment, then you go back to fighting it and things get tense within again? When you stop looking at the world as your measure, setting your life in comparison to it, note how you feel. At least, as I said, when rarely I have done it, I I know the feeling. It's that so-called aha moment that just zips away as soon as you experience it. And you and I are opening ourselves up to God in those moments. In our moments of pushing and fighting and tension, we open ourselves to perhaps the devil. And boy, is it hard not to do that. My fight or flight instinct, which is always there, gets in the way. In the face of a failure, a danger, a loss, I close myself to self-emptying. How can it be the will of God that I have this trouble? So fight it. I do, and I make it worse. I don't mean that you don't act in the face of trouble or challenge or opportunity or defend, but that the internal response needs to be God-oriented, or at least not closing him out, I have to repeat. And sometimes I wonder who actually records this stuff, because I don't do pretty much any of the things I talk about and I think about. And yet, at some level, I just reach for it. I can see the most effective. I can see and want, desire the holy response. And I suppose by so doing, I'm pushing it again. But one thing I think I know is that as to Brand's way, it surely isn't mine. And it isn't, I think, the 
way of any really solid Catholic or Christian faith of whatever denomination. So I guess the Calvinists should forgive me, I hope. For me as a Catholic, acting within rules, uh, what God demands as best as I can, consistently and completely, and with resource to the confessional since I will fall, is an act of love, not anger or terror. Stop pushing against the suffering or adding to it unnecessarily. First, I have to want to do God's will and be very attentive when my own will begins to countermand it. Watch out for the word, quote, just. It's just one day I will miss Mass. It's just not necessary to do this or that which the Church teaches. I just don't feel like praying. That's one of my biggies. I just have to do what my peers do. I'm reminded of a phrase in also a book that I probably read back when I was in high school by the Jewish theologian Martin Buber called I and Thou. The St. John of the Cross method, as expressed in his poems, seems like a way to the I and thou. Our relationship with God, notwithstanding the fact that we can't see him and touch him in the way we can see and touch the things of this world, it's not a one-way conversation. It's a way to the true. Despite his invoking God all the time, Brand seems to be avoiding the dialectic. It's Brand and the world with God being an excuse for his own harshness unconnected to love. If at some point in following the will of God, I can become comfortable or at least tolerant of the contradiction which exists all around me, which John offers advice in handling, I can navigate in little steps. Trying to grapple with the whole of it will take me off the road. Well, it has. And have me, like Brand, trying to shoulder too much without shouldering the peace God has actually given me to do. And then, as it was for Brand, the avalanche hits. I didn't make any resolutions this year, per se, or something I wrote down, and perhaps that's not good because it's a recipe for one of those, I just didn't make a resolution this year. But it occurs to me, as I'm concluding this episode of the podcast that I can make one definite resolution, and that is to pray more, to pray especially when I don't feel like it. Because if anything, that's the one thing I'm sure of is part of the will of God. Well, I hope you had a good first week of 2022. I have to say I had a pretty good one, quiet though it was. And I look forward to hearing from you, or you hearing from me, next week. 